Shrink Wrap Radio number 847, yoga innovator Lisa Knowlton on morphing past trauma. And now it's time for Dr. Dave and Shrink Wrap Radio. You're on the couch again with Dr. Dave and Shrink Wrap Shrinkwrap Radio, all the psychology you need to know and just enough to make it dangerous, it's all in your head. And now here's your host, Dr. Dave. My guest today is longtime family friend and yoga innovator, Lisa Knowlton. On her website, she writes, quote, Morphing in all its forms arose from my personal experience with physical, emotional, and verbal abuse and the ties to trauma and abuse in my family lineage. Trauma can hinder our ability to grow. Morphing is the state of growing freely and is stimulated within our own heart and mind. As we grow from a hindered state, our ability to manifest more loving life features curtails the devastating effects of the impactful injury of physical, emotional, and verbal or mental trauma inflicted by others and oftentimes by our own deep-rooted belief we are destined for harm. Close quote. Yoga innovator Lisa Knowlton, welcome to Shrinkwrap Radio. Thank you, David. I'm so honored to be here. Well, it's great to have you here, and I should let people know that you are a longtime family friend, and uh, you have a uh, friendship, I guess that began with my son, Jonathan, when you were both in high school? Yes. Uh, We were 16. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. And uh, and you've been a friend of the family all those years. I mean, you've been to our house many times, and, uh, and you've gotten to know us all. And um, so when you reached out to me, I thought, well, yeah, I really should interview you. Uh, you know, you're you're a member of the family, and people will be interested to to hear from somebody uh, who knows us. And um, so um, there is a subtitle that you sent me for today's presentation that I didn't include in line online because it was a little too long to be part mm-hmm. of the title, but I just want okay. people to know that, to hear, uh, to kind of have a sense of where we're gonna go. And uh, the subtitle that you suggested was, How I Grew From Self-Hating to a True Self-Loving Individual and Its Continued Cycle, Continual Cycle of Evolution Through Life. So, the, so that's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. And, yeah. So maybe we should start off by talking about uh, about your yoga uh, and how you came to 
to be involved in yoga? I discovered yoga from a book that my mom gave me. Um, I was working a two days on, two days off job at the time. And um, also at an age where I thought I understood the divorce that my parents had gone through, but my behaviors were starting to show that I was probably ignoring what I really needed to be looking at. Um, what and kind so, of behaviors are you talking about? <laughs> partying a lot, uh-huh. um, going out by myself to San Francisco and staying out all night, um, doing drugs, things okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was impacting you uh, in a deeper way than you realize, and you were quotes acting out. Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, it was. I, I was young. I was nineteen, early twenties, and and those types of behaviors can come with that um, that time frame in a person's life. But as I um, came to understand what was really going on, I, I had a moment where the sun was coming up one one day that I was supposed to be um, going to work, and as the sun was coming up, I, I, it was like I felt something deep inside of me that said, "This isn't who you are." Huh. Yeah. And I knew it was me telling myself that because I knew that I was not an addict. I knew that I wasn't meant to um, be mean because it not only was I, you know, probably being mean to myself in some cases, but um, because of the lifestyle I was living, I was being mean to other people. And I recognized that and I, yeah. I knew that that's not how I wanted to live. Yeah. And maybe being mean to your mother, was that part of it? Um, you know, I probably did at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's not the moment that occurred to me. Um, I actually lied to get out of being at work and I got caught uh-huh. um, and, and that the day that the sun rose, um, I actually sort of felt like it was the end of what I was doing. Um, and I found out later that day that uh, my boss had had found out that I had lied um, about why I wasn't at work the day before. Uh-huh. And um, you talk about developing more awareness of yourself and your truth. Is that a reference to that moment of the sun coming yeah. up and this kind of strong sense that, wait a second, this is not who I am. Yeah, I feel really lucky that that I had a moment like that. I've thought about it many times and wondered why I felt that and heard myself speak to myself in a way that was very confident and knowing that it wasn't the life that I was meant to live. Um, and so as I started practicing yoga, I ended up, I was living in California at the time and I ended up driving to Montana and staying here for about a month with a friend. And while she was at work, I would do yoga from this book. And that was another really poignant moment for me because I was, I remember laying on the floor after my practice was done and that's all that was happening. I was just laying on the floor, looking at the ceiling. I didn't have a bunch of stuff in the periphery, like kind of in my past or out in front of me, that was, um, I would just call it like irritating my presence in that particular moment. Um, nothing bothered me. And so I knew that practicing yoga had, there was something to it that was going to lead me somewhere. 
Yeah. I didn't, I'd be doing it for 27 years, but. <laughs> um, you say you have been doing it for 27 years now. That's, yeah. that's now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you also, uh, indicated that at some point it eventually became a problem. How so? Yeah. So, you know, in my 20s, I was doing a style of yoga that some people will know um, is Bikram yoga. And it's a very um, strict and rigid style that's done in a a room that's 105 degrees. And for me at the time, it gave me a lot of energy. Um, And it's a very physically oriented practice. But I also... Um, I feel really connected to yoga in a, in such a deep way um, that the essence of the practice was coming through, even though I was practicing in the ways that a lot of people might deem as a very westernized version of yoga. Yeah. But my but just the the simple fact that I was doing it as diligently as I was, um, I started to transform. But. I had a really great teacher. Her name is Janice Gates, um, who recently passed in October last year. Um, but she she taught me that yoga and you know people have cycles in their life, and to be very mindful of how your cycles of your age and the seasons are going to also change as you're practicing yoga. So Uh as I started to lean a little more into my 30s, the Bikram yoga um, was no longer a style that suited me. It was actually depleting me instead of giving me energy. Um, And around that time, I was also learning more of what's now called yoga therapy, Um, Janice was on the board of the International Association of Yoga Therapists. So as my mentor for um, well over 10 years or longer, um, she taught me a lot about basically that yoga therapy is more of an individualized style. Um, So we're we're teaching and helping the person as an individual versus teaching large classes with, um, you know, 20 or more people in them. Yeah, yeah. So is is it uh, you know the word therapy evokes a lot of associations for me as a as a uh, therapist and psychologist. So mm-hmm. are we talking about therapy in that way as well, or you know? That's a really good question, and um, it's it has been a, a controversy, I suppose. Um, but as a yoga therapist, we're trained to to look at the person as a whole. So we're not just looking at their physical form, but their emotional body, their mental body, and their spiritual bodies. Um, And I wanna kind of circle back to that um, because of how I view the human being as an energy body as well. Um, But we were trained to recognize that if this person needed something outside of our scope of practice, that we would refer them to someone if they needed a therapist or a chiropractor or a physical therapist. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that sounds like a, a strong ethical position. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about trust? Uh, you you sent me that word, and I'm not sure how that plays in here. Well, I think I think the way that I've described the just the progression of our conversation, um, it, it included a lot of trust in myself. Uh-huh. Um, I, I didn't particularly see myself as someone who was very trusting, 
of life, of the world around me, of a lot of people in my life, um, or even of myself mainly. Um, but there's also corners that I turned in my life where I was trusting. So that moment that I saw the sun come up, um, I trusted that voice that said, this isn't who you are. Um, I also trusted when, when my natural progression in yoga was meant to change, um, I followed that. So um, when you asked, how did yoga become a problem? It was really, it came down to um, being in a relationship that was no longer healthy for me and probably the other person as well. Um, and my yoga practice was still very oriented towards the physical, which was fine. Um, I really don't have any regrets around that at all, but it, it there was this poignant time, I think in our world and my life um, and I, I made the choice to to leave this relationship. And during about a year and a half after I left that person, I went through a whole other level of, of transformation that not the typical um, go to yoga once a week for stress relief person is going to experience. Um, it, I really do believe that having practiced yoga, but also making the choice that I did to leave this person had a lot to do with um, basically learning how to trust that my life, in my life, I was meant to change some familial patterns that were oriented around um, abuse. So yes, I had some self-abusive behaviors, but I was also, you know, sort of in environments where people I had been in a physically abusive relationship, but um, the work that I do today is very much um, sort of picking apart the human system, including our energy body and how verbal abuse affects a person's mind and how it can also affect their body. So how yoga ties all of those parts of the human together really helped me get a, have a better understanding. Um, but today I continue to um, study it. And um, I mentioned in my, my email to you as well that um, my choice to break this familial pattern um, introduced um, my ancestors as spirit guides into my life as well. Um, so that was an interesting part of also learning how to trust that what I was experiencing was of <clears throat> the highest regard and not something that was actually going to take me down a whole other path of um, uh, mental illness, basically. Yeah, did somebody uh, give you training or workshop or something in terms of the spirit guides, or was that something that happened spontaneously? You know, I would say a little bit of both, but more spontaneously, which I think is a really good word that you used because something that they've been teaching me um, is about the differences, the minor differences in a person's brain. <clears throat> um, there was a day that I, I heard the words um, dysfunction of insight. And so I, I started researching it online and started finding some... Um, research on and, and when I say research I just want to remind you and other people that that I did get a degree in exercise science so 
Um, I, I understand the value of peer-reviewed articles and things like that. Um, so when I was looking up for research, I was finding articles that were um, peer-reviewed about insight and how they've done studies on the brain that shows the right side of our brain is the side that lights up when a person has a spontaneous moment of insight and how in our society, our society is so left brain dominant in, in a plethora of ways. I could give so many examples that, you know, when we lean into these almost like whispers of information that might lead our life down a different path, we usually ignore that because we've, you know, built our life a certain way and how dare we change that. <laughs> Yeah, I like the the word whispers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the sort of whispers that can be ignored, but uh, but with time, maybe you learn to listen to them and take them more seriously. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of times they're um, you know they might sound kind of crazy to other people. Yeah. Um, so that just kind of excuse me, brings me back again to um, myself and how I lived a lot of my life according to what I, what I thought other people wanted me to do or according to what I thought society wanted me to do. Um, and, you know, now that I'm here today, I just turned 50 and maybe this just comes with that age. I don't know. I've heard lots of stories about when you turn 50, but... Um, I feel like um, who I am and who I was always meant to be is more of who I am today than ever before, yeah. but probably because of the process that I went through. Um, I'm not sure that, that I would have found the, the stunning revelation of who I am if I had stayed in the relationship that I was in because um, what I'd like to, to get to is... <clears throat> this word morphing um, that I mentioned in the email as well and how it is a word that my guides used with me <clears throat> because of my, my physical system was so tight um, from being an athlete, from doing yoga the way that I was doing it, um, that my, my mental structure was also very tight and so if I could compare people to like cells in biology, like a, a, a cell to cells um, that were, were meant to be very permeable, I think. So if I had a cell membrane that was kind of out here that, you know, it's, it's permeable, um, but that, that body of mine had been so constricted because of the life that I had been living that... Um, when you said the word spontaneous, it also made me realize, too, that when I was living alone and having to restore myself from what I had been through, um, I felt like that that tension was so clogged up inside my physical body that my yoga practice went from being very structured, very oriented towards the traditional styles of alignment to basically laying on the floor and crying in a ball and just sort of letting, letting all that tension unravel so that 
I can be a, a much more um, soft and sensitive person so that I can actually make adjustments in my life according to my sensitivity to energies versus according to the the strict rules of how things are, you know, are meant to look or are supposed to look. Yeah, I, I want to go back to the to the trauma. You've been pretty careful uh, about your description, and uh, I hope you won't mind my putting it on the table. Uh, that Please the, do. The, the relationship that you're talking about was you were married. You got married, and um, I was yeah. Yeah, you got married, and uh, and that turned out to be problematic because of. Uh, Ways that really didn't fit into this lifestyle that was emerging within you, yes. and um, yes. and uh, so the relationship became impossible. Now you're a child of divorce, and mm-hmm. so I would think that that then getting divorced would be maybe traumatic. I mean, people think often have the impression that. Divorce is easy. Oh, if it doesn't work out, you know, you just get it dissolved. But um, it's usually not that easy if people are really open to their emotions and what they're going through. And they being curled up on, in a ball and crying really makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, What's what I what is important to me in terms of the message that I want to sort of open people up to the possibilities of is um, you know I I didn't I had a a physically abusive relationship prior to the person that I married and it was the only physically abusive one but I had been in other relationships um, not too many um, but a couple where there was a lot of yelling and just um, um, emotional distance um, you know all the things that a person could could think of that would cause a relationship to fall apart in my opinion Um, so by the time I I got into my relationship with my husband. Um, that was one of the longest lasting relationships that I had ever been in. But I had learned after being in a physically abusive relationship that there was physical abuse in my mom's family and verbal abuse in my father's family. So those two things were a part of me, even though I may not have seen it very, um, like too much in my own personal history, because it wasn't necessarily something that I would have called out in within my own family unit when I was, you know, raised by my parents. Um, but it was a part of my cellular makeup, um, and part of the, the energy body. So I was, let's just say maybe even um, attracting the what was familiar. Um, but as I continued down the path of practicing yoga, it was like each time that I practiced, you know, I didn't just practice almost every day. I was taking intense, you know, teacher trainings that were long lasting and going very in depth to the, the full practice of uh, the meanings of yoga. Um, so I was, Sort of opening, shedding yeah. some of these layers. 
Um, but I was also still repeating patterns in my family. So for me, my practice of yoga did a lot for me, but it didn't particularly show me that I was, I, I was still kind of like, how did I get in this relation, this type of relationship again? Like, I feel like I'm really working on myself here. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've had, you know, a lot of uh, therapy and other types of, um, of work that I was going, that I was doing. Um, but so the importance of recognizing the pattern of abuse in my family and, and sort of like peeking up over the edge, kind of like the sunrise that I mentioned, where I was like, I feel like there's something else out there. And how can I how can I find it? And I think the fact that my spirit or my soul or my mind had that insight, that spontaneous moment of insight to question and then also start seeking um, caused me to meet the right people. Um, and I did end up working with somebody for about a month on what I would call sort of a little bit more, um, you know, I'm a very intuitive person and intuitive teacher. So I was really curious about what it meant to be more psychic and use my skills, um, in a broader sense. So I did work with somebody for about a month. Um, and, and that, again, it wasn't so much her. It was the fact that some deep part of me knew that there was more for me to be doing in my life and, and in the world because my ability to morph out of having been abused and also repeating those types of patterns and also living abusively in my mind. So on the outside, I looked like a very healthy person to everybody. You know, people were like, oh, that Lisa, you know, she does yoga and she eats so well. Nothing's ever wrong with her. But inside there was a lot of turmoil. Um, so morphing is like freeing pressure. So kind of going back to the cellular structures when let's say a cell over here has a virus and it moves over towards this cell and it penetrates it to create a virus in the other cell. Well, there's also healthy cells that can actually change a cell that has a virus into a, it, it will either kill it or, um, you know, slough it off or however that works. Um, so with people, with, if we can be aware that we have these soft, subtle bodies that are outside of us, we can actually recognize when someone is pressuring us to be, speak, do, think in a way that doesn't match who we really are. Um, so I started to come out from under all this pressure that I had been under yeah. from other people from the lifestyle I was living, using yoga as a way to kind of keep me tied up. Um, and then spend about three years just letting all of that unravel to where now when I work with um, my yoga students at Montana State, um, I'm teaching these young people how to not just stretch and use yoga as a way for stress relief, but to recognize signals in the body uh -huh. that might yeah. be telling something you know, don't go to this party tonight yeah. or, you know, yeah. so have discernment uh -huh. person you want to be with. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if the traditional therapy that you had 
it sounds like you had some. If that yeah. s- supported this development or helped it to happen or or created a, a hostile environment for it, what, what was your experience of that? You know, I just appreciate your... Um, your ability to listen and come up with such great questions because oh, because that is a big part of how my story might be different than others. Um, I the, what I use as an example is you know I struggled a lot and there were people in my life that cared about me and wanted me to to feel good and and do well. So there were times when I would hear you know you really have to learn to love yourself. And so try go looking in the mirror and tell yourself that you love yourself. And so I would humbly go try this and I'd look at myself in the mirror and I would say the words, I love you. And I didn't believe it. Yeah. So it didn't work for me. So cognitive therapy was um, effective in some ways. But it wasn't changing my energy body. Because Cognitive therapy. So in other words, learning to, to recognize your thoughts and the negative things that you'd been saying to yourself. Right. Because for me to change my thoughts, it was like I was just um, writing it on a piece of paper, erasing it, and changing the words. Mm-hmm. So it was very surface oriented or, or just up in my mind. Yeah. So, but I didn't believe it in my heart. Uh-huh. I didn't believe it in my body. Yeah. And so my energy body was portraying something different than what I was trying to get my mind to do. Um, so this whole idea of like falling apart and allowing myself to crumble was very much like what I thought of as a like a sand castle, you know, like a very beautiful, pristine sand castle that was built up in my mind. But as soon as it was like, it was like my, my insight about my marriage came up kind of like a wave on the bottom of that um, sand castle. And it just started to pull the bottom out of it. And the whole Uh, thing started to dissolve my ideas of what I my life was supposed to look like. And I think that was probably the most painful thing, which is so interesting to me that what I had built up in my mind was so closely related to how I felt that as soon as the idea of what I wanted um, fell apart, my body was just, I was in so much agony over it. So the the mind-body connection through my yoga practice um, and really getting a deeper sense of what it means for our thoughts to play a part in what's happening down in here. And also our, you know, like that cell membrane that I feel is around us um, just had a a big impact on, on being able to feel love for myself. And then what I call morphing the mind and again my guides really helped me with that is being able to project that feeling up into my mind space and that for me not only does it create a sense of less pressure in my mind 
but it feels like a type of meditation that isn't me in my head trying to keep my thoughts from racing around. Uh-huh. It's it's sort of like vapor. I like to describe it as vapor, where it helps lift up anything that's sort of keeping me down in my <laughs> yeah. in my system. Well, I like these metaphors that that come up for you. You know, they're they're very uh, they're very descriptive, and they really give us, I think, a real sense of uh, of your process, and particularly the the sand castle and the way that it began to dissolve uh, during you know during the divorce, and and the way that the, the insights and possibilities that were coming to you, different possibilities for your life, were were dissolving, were, were kind of the dissolving agent, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and I, I love your use of, of morphing. I, I've, you know, I've, I was trying to think, I meant to go to the dictionary, I never did go to the dictionary to see what morphing, how, how it's described, but I haven't heard it used quite the way that you're using it, but it's, it's, it's uh, I find it very evocative. I felt like, okay, well, I understand what you mean. I understand this concept, you know, and I think morphing to me is a process of change. And um, like when something morphs from this state of being into a different state of being. And that yes. makes that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and and I believe my guides gave me the word, and I did the same thing. I was like, okay, what's this morphing? And so that's one of the things that I rely on um, in terms of trusting in the guidance that I'm being given is that they provide me with with information that they know I'm going to go look and try to find out and figure out what it is because yeah. a lot of the vocabulary they use is are words that I don't normally use in my conversations with people. Um, so when I did look up morphing, I discovered morphology and it is a term used in biology um, and it's the study of forms and how they relate to each other. Okay. So yeah. Like the cells and also like people. Um, but the thing that I think is what's required for a person to morph is what I call pressure. So how do you determine what what's pressure and where is it coming from? And, you know, where do we feel it in our body? And that includes our headspace. So when someone says something to me verbally that feels diminishing in any way, um, if I... You know, I actually have a drawing here because I I started drawing what I was experiencing as well because I knew I was going to have to explain it to somebody at some point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is a, a basic sketch of me from behind. Um, and I have a lot of tension in my right shoulder blade and up into my the right side of my neck. So uh-huh. if somebody says something and the, let's just say thought has it's a form and it when it's projected towards somebody it can actually change the thought forms of our own thoughts and to me when somebody says something mean it's it it causes a cringing feeling in my headspace Mm -hmm. you know possibly even 
a little bit of eyebrow. Um, but internally, if we think of that energy body as, as going all the way inside of our body, it creates pressure inside of my skull as well. So when I recognize that that's happening, because it's, you know, I, I, it's probably going to happen for the rest of my life where, you know, certain ideas and thoughts are going to have an impact on my, my thoughts and I'm going to feel pressure or not. Um, And I basically breathe into my heart space. And I, because of how I've been developing what it feels like to feel love in my heart space, then I move it up through my throat and up into my head. And I basically start moving that pressure out of my head and out of my body. Um, So the, the tension that I feel in my body, I can kind of do the same way. And, and yeah, I use, I use physical, you know, stretching and stuff, but my, my yoga practice has become less rigid and more fluid. So if I feel tension in a certain area, um, I don't just stay there and wait for it to go away. I actually let my body change shape so that I become like a, as if that, that pressure in the muscle has suddenly become um, kind of like a spark and opens, and then it starts to travel through my hands or through my head. And sometimes it'll come out like a cry or singing or laughing. Um, And that's sort of where I'm, I'm probably not the only person that understands this, but when, let's say, you know, trauma happens verbally and physically and it gets locked in the body. So when when we start moving and breathing and we sort of erupt the trauma, it also has to pass through the mind space to help heal the, the memory of the trauma as yeah. well. Yeah, there's uh, the cognitive uh, therapy took somewhere <laughs> somehow because it's got you paying attention to that. Uh, yes. And what you're describing, you know, there, there's a whole field of somatic therapy that's yeah. that's really gotten much larger in recent years and, uh, and has developed a lot more and a lot of different versions of it. But also... As I hear you speaking, it reminds me of dance therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a, a half-sister who's a dance therapist who I discovered late in life. And, uh, you know, and that's the kind of thing that she works with. And probably ex- ex- if she were here, she'd probably be able to elaborate uh, uh, more on that. But that yeah. re- really makes intuitive sense to me. And also on your website... Um, on your Facebook site, um, somehow, uh, somehow I I've, uh, was getting messages that uh, Lisa's put something on her Facebook, so, and I don't always go to. I'm finding that Facebook is telling me about all kinds of people that I don't even really know, <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it's interesting to explore those. But I do know you, and uh, so it's been interesting to me to see what you've been doing and and you've been creating this very beautiful and poetic spaces and dance you know and doing dance like poses and good photographs I'm using some of the material on uh, for the show and the intro that I typically write about what we're going to be doing and so on I, I drew some from one of your writings and then 
for the bio, I drew from another writing that you have on your uh, that Facebook page, and and you certainly you have a community of very supportive people around you because uh, I see I see what they're posting and what they're writing, and you've got some people that are that are really supporting your journey. That's that have some understanding and some caring for you. You know, such such that they uh, they support you. Do, you. do you find that's important to you to have that external support and recognition? I do, I do, and and I struggle with it because um, Facebook can be a good place for that, and sometimes it's not, depending on the algorithms or <laughs> you know what else, whatever else is happening on that platform. Um, but it's it's also been. Um, you know, for me, I, I know that there are other types of somatic work that's happening out there, um, but my process has been so personal. Yeah, I've, I've done it all technically by myself, other yeah. than the guides that I that I speak of, um, and so um, coming out with it is challenging because. Um, not everybody understands what I'm saying. Not everybody's up for, I'm hearing um, like the turmoil that you might have to face in order to, to really let yourself grow. Um, And that's what I'd say a lot is just, you know, grow from it. How do we, how do we grow from hardships um, and come out from underneath such difficult things where we feel like, um, you know, we've been, we've been battered and why? And we wonder why, you know, um, cause I did many times. It didn't make sense to me cause I felt like I was a pretty good person, but I found myself in these situations where I was being hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's such a, a universal uh, wisdom is that, uh, growth comes through pain mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and, and you talk about pressure and, and, also, in the therapy field, we talk about, well, the person has to, uh, they're not going to go to therapy if, the, if they're, everything's going great. So those pressures have a, a role for us in our, in our growth, whether it's traditional therapy or the way in which you're following your own path and listening to your own voice, which, which uh, I really respect and uh, encourage you to do that, uh, to stay on your path because it's coming through in a way that's very clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get a sense, I think I've seen some, some of your drawings, it sounds like you're working with some people uh, in envisioning their energy and then portraying that in a, in a sort of flowing kind of uh, drawing, right? Can you talk yeah. about that work that you're doing? Yeah, I, um, I might have... A drawing of someone else's in here, but I'll talk about it. Um, I actually, because of the healing that I've done through my the right side of my brain, so my guides will help me be deliberate about what they call loving the right side of my brain. Love your right morphing mind is what they'll say. Um, they'll say love your right arm because what I've discovered is that there's this let's say like a quadrant of the human system this is my right side um that has been collapsed and um we've been really disoriented by our by the loss of this balance 
that that humans I think are meant to have, you know, in being in harmony with ourself and with nature. Um, and so it has helped me um, be versus a perfectionist in my drawing, um, be more more fluid with it. So when I sit down with somebody, um, I actually very purposefully shift. I open, right? I let my whole energy system open and I, I start receiving little prompts like colors. Um, and then as I'm, I'll close my eyes and I'll see the person in my mind and get a prompt of like their shoulders. Um, this, I, I don't think I have, I give them away. So, <clears throat> but this is one of myself as well. And this is the right side of me. So I basically find where energy is concentrated using, I'd say, even color therapy. And I start intuitively following where the energy wants to flow. So <clears throat> what I'm guessing, what I know is happening for me is that I'm I'm assisting the, the freedom of this traumatic impact through very subtle and very beautiful <clears throat> way that's... Um, and I'm, I'm actually just kind of realizing it right in this moment um, that is rather than address trauma head on. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people think that if they're going to heal and deal with trauma, that, that that's what's going to happen is it's going to be this like huge um, turn in the clock and everything's going to explode. Um, but it's a very tender nurturing process that you know we can sort of unweave through the body yeah, and i yeah. when i'm sitting with somebody i do i do that for them and i get messages that relate oh so i'm going down the left side of your body what's your relationship like with your mother so there's certain um instances where um the right side of the body, sort of representative, more of the masculine or the or the um, patriarch, and the left side is more feminine and matriarch. So sometimes I will follow that, and a lot of times people are like, "Oh yeah, well I don't really have a very good relationship with that person." So um, it's very inclusive of of the whole body, and in terms of the way I've been describing yeah, it, yeah. yeah. System. One thing I didn't pick up on, but I was interested in exploring, was I think you mentioned that you had been an athlete. Yeah, yeah. When I was a child, I was a, a competitive gymnast, um, and I oh. also played volleyball from fifth grade until out of high school. Yeah, yeah. So, so your life has been been very much about being in your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I've used it. I've had very um, significant moments where I would be struggling and I would use exercise to help me. And I, re I remember living in Marin County and um, going up this hill towards um, towards the beach. And each step was hard, but I, was, I used my body to help train my mind. And I, I think that's um, been a very um, consistent piece of my life um, is... Some for some reason, my body changing <laughs> has has been the thing that has helped my mind change. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know, we really 
understand more and more that we're not talking about two different things, but that two sides of the same coin. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that we haven't touched on here that you want to make sure that people know about, know about you, and maybe you also would like to put out your website so that people can go there if they want to know more about you and what you're offering? Yeah, my my website is my name, so it's Lisa Knowlton, and that's L-I-S-A-K-N-O-W-L-T-O-N.com. Um, and my services kind of, they change with the times, kind of like a yoga practice does. Yeah. Um, so my... Right now, I'm I'm in Billings, and I can see people in person. But I I have also done these drawings and have helped people with back pain um, in different states. Um, so I can do stuff long distance. Um, using you know, Zoom? I, Are you using Zoom to? I am. Meet yeah, or people? a phone call. Even I, the last person I did was on a phone call. Uh huh. Um, and I, I did the drawing while I was on the phone with her and then ended up just sending it to her because I I really think that there is energy in the paper and the pencils that I use and what I'm putting into it. So by, by giving it to you, um, I, le I let people know that, you know, if they look at it, you know, at some point something might jump out to them and it might offer them more information that I didn't give them, but it was yeah. in the drawing. Um, some some of the drawings aren't as detailed as the ones that I showed you, so I've let people know that if they if they have a moment of insight where they want to grab a color and add to it, then they can add to it as well because the healing continues on their own that way. And that's another I guess another part of of all of this um, is what I'm hoping to do is to help people be able to understand what morphing is so that they can do it in any given moment. Whereas with practicing yoga or practicing meditation, we sort of set aside a time for that and then hope that it affects us out here. But we're such multi-dimensional and multi-layered people that as healing happens, something else is going to come up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to be able to recognize being able to morph in the moment, um, you know, like on the road when somebody's cutting you off or in the grocery store, um, then, you know, all the all the times that I have heard um, let it go or don't react, um, those were things that I I couldn't do because I was. I was reacting anyway. <laughs> and so pretending to not react um, didn't really help me. Yeah. Uh, but being able to morph the energy in the moment has helped me literally be able to let it go instantly. And then suddenly I'm not even thinking about it, even though it happened 30 seconds ago. You know what? I uh, kind of had a free association to your last name, Knowlton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the word no is in there, K-N-O-W. Have you ever thought about that? It, yeah, my... in fact, I tease people. I'm, I tell them my last name is Noatan. <laughs> Noatan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you're aware of that. And uh, so that maybe is somewhere in your heritage. 
Yeah. Yeah. I believe it because my, my guides come through. Um, they've let me know that I have ancestry from Norfolk, England, and um, that there's a lot of courage and strength and bravery that comes from that side of my family uh-huh. and, and how, and what that looks like, you know, so courage and bravery um, when I was in that abusive relationship was not the same as the courage and bravery that I have today, you know? Yeah. Well, does this feel like a good place to wrap it up? It does. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really want to thank you for uh, being my guest today, Lisa. It's, it's good to know you, uh, to get to experience you in a deeper way than when you were uh, just a kid. <laughs> it was this kind of peripheral uh, out there doing stuff and, uh, and, and hanging out with, with son Jonathan. Yes. And uh, I know that you two have been uh, good, loving friends for a long time. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. And so again, you're you're very much a part of our family. So Lisa Knowlton, I want to thank you for being my guest on Shrink Wrap Radio. I am so honored. I listen to your show all the time. <laughs> oh, that that's a real compliment, and I appreciate that. As you will have heard, my recent guest, Lisa Knowlton, is a family friend as well as a yoga innovator and spiritual healer. She's a family friend by virtue of the long-term friendship with our son, Jonathan. The two of them met in their senior year of high school and have been fast friends ever since. Not lovers, but confidants through their separate romantic entanglements over the years. As a result, Lisa was a frequent visitor to our home, and we got to know her since her high school years. She grew up partly in Montana, and we even met her Montana boyfriend when he visited her in California. She returned to Montana, and the two eventually married. Our son, Jonathan, visited them in Montana a few times, even performing the ceremony at their wedding. As you will have heard in the interview, the marriage didn't work out in the long run and was a source of trauma in Lisa's life and also reactivated unresolved trauma from her parents' tumultuous marriage and divorce. These painful experiences in our lives can jumpstart our emotional and spiritual growth if we are willing to face the pain and work through it. Through a combination of cognitive therapy and yoga and her own deep nature, Lisa has been propelled on her own unique journey of blossoming wisdom. She has moved beyond the form of yoga in which she first trained, feeling her way to her unique gifts and expressiveness. In the process of unfolding, psychic gifts and spirit guides are showing the way. Having known her all these years, I'm privileged to be a witness to her morphing from a somewhat lost and confused girl to a solid and lovely, wise woman, teacher, and healer. I encourage you to visit her uniquely expressive website 
at lisanolton.com. I support Shrink Wrap Radio for Dr. Dave has his pulse on the emerging contemporary rising stars, endeavoring to provide soul food for listeners seeking nourishment. As a recent contributor, I am listening deeply to the contributions you bring us all. Thank you, deep listener Linda Thompson. I'm glad you found so much of value in these interviews. Thanks for your donation and for encouraging others to follow your fine example. Once again, time to shrink wrap it up. Thanks to today's guest, longtime family friend and yoga innovator, Lisa Knowlton, for sharing so openly her path of morphing into spiritual growth. My guest next week will be Rachel Harris, Ph.D., discussing her book, Swimming in the Sacred, Wisdom from the Psychedelic Underground. Until then, this is Dr. Dave reminding you to be kind to yourselves, others, and our precious Earth. You've been shrink-wrapped by Dr. Dave. All the psychology you need to know and just enough to make you dangerous.